the people of God in Christ, this afternoon we, as we mentioned, reach the end of the story of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz in the book of Ruth. And in the end, we see that a child is born. A child is born, and, uh, and that really has been the point of the story all the way along, uh, whether we have realized it or not. Uh, someone, someone might say, but I thought the story was about redemption. Well, yes, it is. And so a child is born. Um, what is the significance of a child being born? Well, for mankind in general and for God's covenant people in particular, the significance is redemption. Isaiah 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And while we know that this prophecy from Isaiah uh, is referring to the birth, the birth of Christ, yet it has a certain connection to the story of Ruth as well. In fact, it has a connection to Genesis 3 and to the promised offspring of Eve. It has a connection to Genesis 4, the birth of Cain, and uh, to Genesis 21, the birth of of Isaac and to Exodus 2 and the birth of Moses and so on. Every time a baby uh, is born in the history of redemption, it's a, it's a child born unto us, a son given unto us, connecting ultimately to the birth of Christ, the promised Redeemer. And so from, uh, from what we read in, in Ruth um, uh, 4, uh, verse uh, 13, uh, we, we hear that Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. On one hand, we are hearing and simply uh, hearing the report of, of the news, a, a kind of birth announcement. And given how much uh, we uh, love a love story, uh, we, we might tend to hear this verse as a a kind of appendix, uh, just a detail tacked on to the end of the story, as if to say, and so they lived happily ever after. But the birth of this baby is, is not some concluding detail um, contributing only to the, the falling action and resolution of the story. Instead, the birth of this baby is really, as we've said, the whole point, the very climax of the story. And and that's why this last passage from the book of Ruth focuses so heavily on the child born to Ruth. Even more, the final four verses are, as we've heard, a genealogy to tell us why this story is included in the scriptures. Because Boaz fathered Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. And yet, if it stops there and only takes us up to David, uh, we, sitting here in the year 2022, might, be, uh, yet, might yet be left to hear all this, again, just as an ancient love story ending with a wedding and a baby. But there are too many clues to keep us from that, uh, that simplistic reading. Uh, after all, uh, this whole story takes place again where? In Bethlehem. And so even uh, though it's still hundreds of years 
before the birth of Christ, surely we must have him in mind uh, as we read this story, especially now as we finish this story, a child is born. And even though it was not the child, not yet, uh, it's not yet the, the, the one promised from the fall of mankind into sin, yet it was a child by which God brought things much closer to the ultimate fulfillment of his promise in Christ. So let's, uh, let's take as a first point, Mother Ruth. Uh, no offense to fathers, but uh, the focus here really is on the mothers. In fact, not only do we need to take note of Mother Ruth, but of Mother Naomi as well. And, and you might say, but, uh, but shouldn't we say Grandmother Naomi? And uh, we'll answer that in the second point. But first, Mother Ruth. Verse 13 again says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. He went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. On one hand, the significance of Ruth becoming a mother is, is found by remembering where the story began. The story began with drought and, and hunger. The story began in a far-off land called Moab, and it began with the death of not one and not two, but three husbands. But even more than the death of three husbands, the story begins, in a sense, with the death of all the children that might have been born to Naomi by way of her two sons. Have, we, have you ever thought about it that way? Um, when a person dies before they've had any offspring, all their offspring die with them. If one of your parents, not a very pleasant thought, but if one of your parents had died before they gave birth to you, you would have died in a sense with them. And that, of course, sets up the premise of the story that in, that in a sense is, is the main conflict in this short story. Malon and Chilion die without having any children. And what is to become of Naomi? What is to become of the estate of Elimelech? And if you recall, this was why Moses commanded for the people to practice uh, kinsman redemption. Uh, but we also know that Moses himself did not come up with this idea. Even back in Genesis 38, we see Judah's wicked sons dying at the hand of the Lord, with Judah telling the next in line to take his brother's place until Judah himself, thinking his daughter-in-law Tamar is a prostitute, he went into her and, and she became pregnant by him. He became an a rather strange way, her Redeemer. And that really is why the genealogy at the end of the book of Ruth goes back to Perez, because Perez was one of the two sons, the twins born to Tamar, fathered by Judah. It's interesting and telling that the scriptures do not hide the scandal of sin in the history of redemption. The scriptures do not hide scandal because the scandal itself serves the point of the story. The point is grace, grace for redemption. Tamar is redeemed by Judah, with Tamar being a Canaanite woman, 
And now once again, Ruth is redeemed, with Ruth being a Canaanite woman. And the birth of Ruth's baby is not nearly as scandalous as the birth of Perez to Tamar. But once again, God's people have been unfaithful in marrying outside the covenant people of God. And yet, God continues to further the the fulfillment of his promise of redemption. So in the beginning of the story, Mother Ruth is not a mother at all. In fact, she's a Canaanite woman. She's a Moabite. She's, she's from Moab, and she becomes a widow without any children or the hope of children. And yet she is brought back to the land of Israel, where she is taken as the wife of Boaz in order to find redemption. Like so many other books of the Bible, the book of Ruth really could be, and in some sense it almost needs to be read in one sitting kind of contradicting myself because we've, we've split it up quite a bit here over the past several weeks in this sermon series. But, but if, we, if we do that, if we read a, a book like this all in one reading, it certainly serves to pull the story uh, together as, as the reader keeps in mind where the story begins in order to grasp the significance of where it ends. In the end, a woman previously cut off from the covenant, previously a motherless widow, becomes a mother. And she becomes a mother in Israel as she bears a child who even figures directly into the very line of Christ. Every time a baby is born in the pages of Scripture, the question must be raised, is this the one? Is this the child? Upon the fall of mankind, God said to the evil one, I will put enmity enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And even with the birth of Eve's firstborn son, it would appear that she was hopeful, hopeful that this might already be the son. As she named her son Cain, She said, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Cain sounds like the Hebrew word forgotten. Some scholars uh, even argue that uh, what Eve uh, really named her son was, here he is. If that was her thinking, then she was wrong, very wrong. Indeed, as Cain would uh, prove to be a murderer and not at all the promised giver of life. So she at least spoke prophetically. She had said, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. In the end, the promised child would come, and he would come by the doing of God. Uh, He would come as the gift of God to his people. And this becomes more and more clear as the, as the story goes on. When a, when a baby is born to Abraham and Sarah, they are both well beyond childbearing age. Isaac is a miracle baby. When Moses is born, uh, he, is, uh, he is born into a setting in which he is slated immediately to die. And yet he lives. With amazing irony and a, and a slap in the face to Pharaoh, Moses grows up even in Pharaoh's household, 
And yet he too proves to be a murderer like Cain before him. And like Cain, a fugitive until he is brought back to Egypt and becomes a redeemer of God's people. Now in the book of Ruth, there is far less of a scandal, but the point is to see that a gracious God is at work. A gracious, all-wise, and all-powerful God had made Ruth a mother and had brought about the birth of another child, moving things ever closer to the birth of the promised Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And so the second point point is Mother Naomi. Because as striking as it is that Ruth the Moabite becomes a mother in Bethlehem, perhaps the more striking uh, feature of the story is what happens next. Because in verse 14 it says, Then the 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 women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. If you're anything like me, you might want to say, wait a second, that's got to be a mistake. Listen again, verse 13 says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she, that is Ruth, bore a son. But verse 14 says immediately that the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. Wouldn't the women have said this? Really, shouldn't they have said this? Not to Naomi, but to Ruth. But indeed, they did say it to Mother Naomi. And in fact, Ruth is never mentioned again in the closing verses of the book. Even more, verse 16 says, Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And verse 17 adds, And the women of the neighborhood said, A son has been born to Naomi. Well, to start with, this takes us back to that earlier question of who really is the the main character of the book of Ruth. The book is called Ruth, but the story begins and ends with Naomi. And in the end, it's Naomi who is said to be, in a sense, the mother of Ruth's child. Surely the point is not to say that Naomi stole Ruth's baby or anything like that, or that Ruth dropped out altogether uh, uh, from being the mother of this child. But the focus is clearly on Naomi, and the women even exclaim, a son has been born to Naomi. Well, we're seeing several things here. We're, We're seeing again that God is the God who provides Do you remember what Naomi had said to to the women as she came back to Bethlehem? They had said, could this really be Naomi? And she had answered essentially uh, to say, yes, but don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara instead. Because uh, while Naomi means pleasant, Mara means bitter. Call me bitter said Naomi. Naomi came back to Bethlehem without hope. She even said, the Lord has dealt very bitterly with me. And, uh, and remember that back in Moab, she, she didn't even think of the possibility of redemption for her or for Ruth. 
She had urged Ruth to stay with her own people and with her own gods in in Moab. And yet here was now uh, Naomi with a baby on her lap. Here she was with her name restored to her. Now she is once again Naomi, meaning pleasant. Against all hope, she has a child to care for. And the point is to see that it's all because God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God provider. It's interesting that here there's a connection uh, with the uh, the most famous verse in the Bible. Uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God gave a son, indeed his only son. And so we see that the birth of Christ into this world was the fulfillment of Eve's prophetic words, with the help of God, I have gotten a man. And the coming of Christ into the world was the fulfillment of uh, the prophecy of Isaac's birth. Another miracle baby was born, not to a very old mother, but in fact to a very young mother. And, and yet without the aid of, of, of human father, even as she was yet a virgin. And the birth of Christ was the fulfillment of the events to close the book of Ruth. Against all hope, God gave a son to Naomi, even as he would one day give his only begotten son as Savior and Redeemer. Naomi's baby would mean that the line of Elimelech would not perish, but the birth of Christ would mean that all God's people would not perish, but have eternal life. That brings us to consider a third and final point, Redeemer Obed. Perhaps most fascinating of all is the fact that the baby is referred to then as Naomi, Naomi's redeemer. Again, verse 14 says, Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in, uh, in Israel. Now, if we stopped there, uh, if that's all they said, we might assume that they were talking about Boaz. As Boaz redeemed Ruth, so in a sense, Boaz had redeemed Naomi as well. But that's not what they meant. Verse 15 adds, He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher uh, of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. The Redeemer they are referring to is not Boaz but the baby himself. Even more, there is a a clear sense that the women were looking at the baby as their child as well, even as their redeemer as well. We see this in the fact that they were the ones to give the baby his name. Verse 17 reads, "And, And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi, They named him Obed. Most of the time in Scripture, it's the father of a child who decides on the name. That's the significance of uh, Joseph 
being told in Matthew 1 of Mary's baby, you shall call his name Jesus. That's the significance of Mary being told the same thing in Luke 1, you shall call his name Jesus. The point is that God names the baby Jesus because God, not Joseph, is the father of this child. But here in Ruth 4, as a child is born to Ruth and to Naomi, it's not Boaz who names the, names the baby. But neither is it Ruth or Naomi who name the baby. The women representing the community, the women are the ones who give the baby a name. And the point is to see that this child was born in that sense to all of them. We can imagine that Ruth might have felt somewhat left out. After the birth of the baby, she's never mentioned again. Instead, Naomi is said to be the mother of the baby, and the baby is said to be born to her, and it's the women who name the baby. Well, we we aren't told what, what Ruth's reaction to all this was, because that's not the point. Uh, We'll give her the benefit of the doubt and and not speculate, but it's likely that she understood what we must understand, that that the community into which her baby was born was looking for a Redeemer as well. In a sense, they claimed the baby as their own. And so this story can help us understand the, the announcement of the angel to the shepherds just outside Bethlehem many years later. Think about the, the, the proximity of that. All this is happening in Bethlehem. And, and, and so many years later, what was the message of the angel just outside of Bethlehem? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The birth of Christ, you see, was not just for Mary and Joseph, but for all the people And the angel went on to say, For unto you is born this day, unto you, he's talking to the shepherds, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. If you stop and think about it, what a a strange thing to say. Unto you, you shepherds, is born a baby. Wasn't it Mary's baby? Shouldn't they have said, Unto Mary is born this day a baby? And said, the angel said, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. In other words, here he is. Here is the one that all Israel has been waiting for. Here is the one that Eve had hoped would be born to her already. Here is the baby that Isaac, the miracle baby could only foreshadow, and here is the one that was foreshadowed in the birth of Obed, as the women, in a sense, claimed him as their own, even being the ones to give him his name. Well, even in our own day, isn't there a sense in which mankind looks to their children for their salvation? One of the, one of the great tragedies of our culture of abortion is, is uh, that so many babies are dying, dying before we ever get to find out what kind of contribution they might have made for the good of mankind. Uh, the next Einstein, uh, the next Edison, the next 
Fleming, the next uh, Mother Teresa, the, the next great president or prime minister, uh, all could be uh, given up to abortion in our day. And it's an indicator, I think, of the despair of mankind and even mankind's twisted love of death. People really would rather die than ever have to do things God's way. But otherwise, there is yet a sense of hope that maybe the next generation will give us, uh, will give rise to a, a Savior, uh, a child yet to be born who might have the answers to mankind's problems. And I think this is what Jesus meant when he, when he said in Matthew 22, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Perhaps it's not the case that they uh, will um, not claim the name Christ, but many will come claiming to have the answers, to be uh, a Messiah figure at least, to be a Savior, claiming to be the one who can fix the common problems of mankind. And Jesus warns us, he says, do not, do not go out to them. Jesus himself is the promised child of God. He is the Savior that God has provided us because only God can truly save us from our sins. When we are young, we are probably more likely to look to ourselves for our salvation. When we are young, uh, we think to ourselves, I can, I can take care of myself. Uh, I can make a great accomplishment in my life. Uh, I will ensure my own happiness, my own comfort, my own salvation. But as we get older, we start to realize that we will not accomplish for ourselves what we had hoped. We figure it out that uh, there will have to be some future person, maybe one of our own offspring, who takes or who makes the great accomplishments. But we need to see that he has already come. Our Redeemer has already been born, and he is already here. Isaiah 9, verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the angel to the shepherds, Fear not, for I bring you great news, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so we too must claim the baby as our Redeemer. Not baby Obed, but the baby Jesus. We too must call him Jesus, meaning Savior. And we must stop looking for one yet to be born. We must stop looking to the world for our salvation. We must start looking now for the return of Christ in glory. There is a sense in which the entire Old Testament is, is the story of the birth of a baby. And with every birth, the question is, is, is this the one? Is, is this the one? But the question is answered in Christ and by His birth. And we must look to Him as our Redeemer. 
Let us indeed look to him in faith and long for the fullness of his redemption, which will come as he returns one day. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for this wonderful portion of your word, O God, the story of Ruth. And we thank you that it ends with the birth of a baby, a baby son who would carry forward the line of Christ. And so we thank you even more for the coming of Christ, his birth, his life, his suffering and death and his resurrection for us. We thank you that he is our Redeemer and that indeed we have the fullness of redemption in him. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.